Welcome to JRoot Radio here live on Wednesday afternoon at 2.11. We'll, sorry, we're a little bit late. But we're here on the Halakha Hour where we on, we're on every single Wednesday afternoon at 2 to 3 live. And if you want to call in or text your question, text in your question is recommended. After the class was at the chain around 3.05, 3.10, then we'll take the phone calls off the air. So you have to wait till then. To text in your question, hopefully we'll get to it throughout the show. The, halakha, the number... To text in your question to the station is 347-927-8398. And the phone number to call in at the end of the show is at 718-683-5858. To listen in, then you could call in to 718-506-9099. Or you could listen on your FM dial 97.5 or on the JRoot Pro app on your smartphone, either on the Android or on the Apple. Today's class is sponsored anonymously for the Hatzlaha, for his Hatzlaha, also for the Refuah Shalema of Joyce Bat Sabah and Eliyahu Haim and Shafiqa Sofia, as well as all the other sick children and Bishar Kol Hole Amo Israel. When the last class right before Pesach, Pesach is coming up this Sunday night, is going to be already Bedikat Hametz, and Monday night will be first night of Seder. So we have a lot of halachot to discuss, a lot of halachot that. Um, we hope to cover today. If we don't get to finish it, I apologize, but you'll see a lot of the things online. If you go to jrootradio.com, over there you'll click in on, there's options, you'll see pictures of the different rabbis and different classes are given through on uh, over here on jroot. And you go to the Halakha Hour, and over there, hopefully, within a few more minutes, we're supposed to be up already, there's a lot of videos over there that are very practical of things that people need to know regarding the holiday of Pesach. For example, we have the videos of how to kosher your kitchen, where we show different parts of the kitchen and exactly how to kosher it the right way. Also, there are videos over there of how to make a seder, as well as an explanation of the Haggadah in simple English straightforward shot. That's all found on jrootradio.com. Today's topics that we're going to speak about here live on radio are four hopefully, if we get to them. Number one is the halachot of Erev Pesach. Number two is preparations for the Seder. And number three is some elaborations on the halachot of Seder, or different things that we do on the night of Seder. And finally, we'll talk about some common questions, or the questions, we'll take the questions that people uh, have sent us through the text. Okay, let's begin. Before we begin, somebody told me to mention this halakha. Even though last week we spoke about halakhot of bedikat hametz, so if you want to know the halakhot of bedikat hametz, you'll have to check last week's class on the archives. Still, some very important halakhot that we have to know, that the halakha tells us that a person has to search for hametz, not only in his house, but in every place that either he's renting or that he owns. If there's an area that you're going to use over Pesach, during Pesach, so then there's no question. Of course you have to do Bedikah. But an area that you own, which you're not planning to be there during Pesach, you could just sell. Le mashal. If you're a person, if you're a homeowner, and you have a few houses, one here, one in Florida, and you're not planning to be in Florida on Pesach, so then you could just sell your house with your local rabbi, not to the rabbi, obviously you're selling it through the rabbi to a, uh, to a goy in order that a person should not, in order that, that that house should not be yours for Pesach, and then you don't have to do Bedikah. Otherwise, if you have anything that you own or you're renting, that is obligated in Bedikah Hametz, which means your house, your car, also your business, which, whether you have an office 
or you have a store, you have to do Bidikat Hametz. Now, how does one do Bidikat Hametz in this business? Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because Bidikat Hametz really is this Sunday night. Lalakha says, if you're not going to be at the place where you have to do Bidikat on uh, Sunday night, then you do Bidikat on the last time that you were there. Which means, let's say you have, so your cubicle, you need to do Bidikat Hametz. It's not going to be as, as hard as it is somewhere else. Uh, as, as doing Bedikat Hametz in your house, it's only a small cubicle. But nonetheless, you still have to do Bedikat Hametz. How does one do Bedikat Hametz? Well, let's go in steps. If you're going to be there on Sunday night, so that's great. You do Bedikat Hametz over there with a blessing, and then you come back home. And with the same blessing that you made at your store, you come back home and you do Bedikat Hametz in your house. But most likely, if you have an office, and many people will not be at their stores on Sunday night because they have to be home in order to do Bidikat Hametz. So in that case, how do you do Bidikat Hametz in your store? So when's the last time you're going to be there? Before Sunday night. If the last time you're going to be at your store is going to be on Sunday afternoon, so right before you leave, Sunday afternoon, without a bracha, without a blessing, you take out a flashlight and you search around your area, whether it's the drawers of your desk or around your desk on the bottom, the closet where you're allowed to keep things, anything that's yours, that's that 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 you've been given the right to use over there, that's completely yours, you have an, uh, an obligation to do Bidikat Hametz. And that's it. It might be very, very simple, but that's what you have to do. The same will apply if you're going to be, in the last time you're going to be in your store or your office is this Friday. That's why we're mentioning it. This Friday might be the last time you're going to be at your office. So therefore, right before you come back home, Give yourself a little bit of time, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to do Bidikat Hametz in the, in the area before you leave your office. And then you come back home and on Friday and then you wait to do Sunday night, the Bidikat Hametz, like the way we explained it last week. If a person is traveling away for Pesach, he's not going to be home at all. So then the halakha is as follows. If you're planning not to come back throughout Pesach, the best thing for you to do is to sell your house to a goy. And this way, none of the hametz, none of the things in, the, in your house is yours. The obligation is now not yours because it's not your house. However, that's only on the condition that wherever you're going, you can do bidikat hametz over there. Meaning, if you're going to be by, <coughs> if you're planning to be by, um, by, by your parents for Pesach, so you're going to have a room probably if you're going with your family, or if you, or if you have a basement or you're renting somewhere, you're going to a hotel for Pesach, wherever you're going away for Pesach, where you're going to be there Sunday night, you have an obligation to do Bidikat Hametz over there. If you're going away for Pesach, not coming back home, and you're leaving after Sunday night, then you have an obligation to do Bidikat Hametz in your house. Because Sunday night is the obligation of Hametz. If you're home, even though if you're not going to be there throughout Pesach, you have to do Bidikat Hametz before you leave with a blessing and everything, and then you go away. Any other more details regarding Brigat Hametz, then you'll have to call in at the end of the class, after 3.10, and then we'll answer then Brigat Hashem. Okay, the other thing we'll mention before we get to today's uh, halachot, is make sure to sell your Hametz if you have not sold your Hametz. We keep on talking about it, but you know what? I've been talking about it so long, and and it wasn't only till a few days ago that I started selling my hametz. So if you have not sold your hametz, make sure you sell it. You could go on jrootradio.com. And over there, they have right in the beginning, there's a big uh, tab over there. And you click on it. And over there, you'll see <coughs> the option of selling your hametz. 
it's being sold with a very, very good organization. I believe our shul also is connected also to this organization. It's, I believe it's one of the biggest ones in Brooklyn. They sell it. They have, they, it's massive. They sell it, you know, many, many people's hamets, millions and millions of dollars. And it's run by people who are termideh hachamim, who know what they're doing. So therefore, if you have not sold your hamets yet, you make sure you contact the rabbi or you could sell it on the website. A very important point. Make sure that if you're selling your hametz, you don't sell it in two different places. This is not uh, something, this is not fake, this is not a game. This is real stuff. You're selling your hametz, it's a real transaction. You are appointing the rabbis to be your messenger and that hametz really belongs to the goy. If you believe that the hametz, the selling of the hametz is a joke, then you're not allowed to sell your hametz because according to you, your hametz is real, it's really yours, and you're all there, and you're transgressing in the Sudoraita of Baliyarim Bayimatse. So, therefore, make sure for you, you have to make sure you finish your hametz before Pesach. Now, you should know that some people are stringent and they don't sell hametz on Pesach. What does it mean they don't sell hametz on Pesach? It means they don't sell real hametz on Pesach. What they do sell is they sell mixtures that may contain hametz or things that have been prepared on hametz dishes, as we'll explain soon. How come? How come some people sell hametz and some people don't sell hametz? And the answer is, is, it's too technical to really explain in a few minutes that we have, but there's a lot of technicalities that must happen in the sale of hametz in order to be valid according to many opinions, and even still there, there's some opinions are not happy with the whole selling of hametz. So therefore, even according to halakha, if a person who makes a proper sale, a regular sale of hametz, and the goy, you know the goy is not going to touch your hametz. If you give him the hametz and he takes it out of the house and you really sell it to him, and you know for sure that the goy will give it back to you after Pesach, according to Shohan Aruch, he brings it down, there's absolutely no problem with it. Still, sometimes people are worried that the way the sales are done today, some people, the way the sales are done today, they're nervous, so that it might not be according to all opinions, so therefore... They don't want to sell real hametz. What they do is they sell mixtures of hametz. What's called real hametz? What's not real hametz? We'll just give you a few examples. Let me shout pasta, bread. That's called real hametz. Even flour, uh, flour to, to make dough with it, that's also real hametz. Therefore, some people will not sell it. Other examples of real hametz will be like beer, whiskey, or certain vodkas made out of wheat. That's also real hametz. Although some people have been hag, even though they don't sell real hametz, they'll sell, they, they will sell the alcohol. They believe it's too much of a loss not to get rid of it before Pesach. Okay, but that's also real hametz. Things that are not real hametz, are anything cooked on hametz utensils, even though you cannot eat it on Pesach, but it's not real, real hametz that you, uh, you have to be nervous about, that a person who has it will not be aware of the isur, but they, we still sell it anyway. Or things that may contain some wheat inside of it, like ketchup or mayonnaise, different brands, that's also not real hametz. A lot of people, uh, it's not kosher for Pesach, but it does, doesn't mean it's real hametz. You could sell it, even if you were mahmir, not to sell real hametz, you could definitely sell all these things. Just because it doesn't have an OUP, it's still fine to be uh, to be sold over Pesach. I want to point out one thing, we mentioned it last week. Kitniyot, which means rice, beans, and anything of, of such, of, of these things, which are not one of the five grains, are not hametz. According to halakha, there is no obligation to even sell them. You can keep them around, just make sure if your menhag is not to eat them, so you don't eat them. If your menhag is to eat them, then you eat them. But if your menhag is not to eat them, they are not bilhametz like we mentioned in last week's class. Let's get to now the halachot of Erev Pesach. Erev Pesach will be this Monday. 
technically, the day before Pesach really should begin Sunday night. And that's really when already we begin the halakha. All, everybody from the day after Purim and some even before Purim have been preparing for Pesach in some way. The ladies, Hashem should bless them, they're cleaning. Right now, as we speak, the ladies are cleaning. In fact, we got a text before, play some music, we're busy cleaning. Okay, hopefully these halachot will help you in your cleaning as well. But everybody's cleaning, no matter who it is, everybody's clean for Pesach right now. Okay? So, Baruch Hashem, the ladies are doing their part. But in the of Pesach already, no matter who you are, even if you're a man, if you're busy at work, you already have to do some sort of preparation for Pesach. And that's called Bedikat Hametz, that's Sunday night. Monday morning, already the halachot of Ere Pesach, there's a lot of halachot that we have to know regarding Ere Pesach. Number one is that there is a fast that we know is called Ta'anit Bechorot. What is the reason that we have a fast on Ere Pesach? And the answer is, there's three reasons are given. Number one is that the Bechorot, the firstborns, anybody who is a firstborn, is uh, fasts on Monday, Ere Pesach. Why? Because Hashem... Stru- killed in the last Makkah, he killed every firstborn in the, by the Egyptians' house. And really, the Makkah, the plague, should have attacked the Jewish people, except that Moshe was told by Hashem to tell the Jewish people, stay at home, put the Goban Pesach on the Mezuzot, on the sides of the house, and you'll be protected. So therefore, for the fact that Hashem protected us, there's a Ta'anit on Monday, Erev Pesach. Others say that the Ta'anit is for a different reason. It's to publicize the miracle that Hashem saved us. So some ask the question, if it's really coming to publicize the miracle and to thank Hashem for saving us from the plague, why are we fasting? We should make a celebration and eat. So therefore others give a different opinion. Pesket brings in the name Hatam Sofer and other post scheme, although I couldn't find inside the Hatam Sofer, but he brings down that, you know why? Because when Moshe announced it's going to be a plague, on Leil HaSeder, on the 15th of Pesach, on, which, on 15th of Nisan, excuse me, Leil HaSeder, the first night of Pesach, that day, out of Pesach, all the firstborns decided to fast that they should be protected from the plague because as Hazal tells us, the Jews at the time of Exodus, at the time leaving Mitzrayim, were not 100% tzaddikim. They were still worshipping idolatry. So they were scared that the plague would hit them, so they fasted. And therefore, in commemoration of that, every single year out of Pesach, the firstborns fast again. However, you should know the halakha, it's, it's a minhag. The source of fasting is a minhag. So therefore, we're very lenient. Which means, um, according to some opinions, they hold that the ladies should also fast. Some minhagim. Who is that? I know that Egyptian Jews, Egyptian Jews, the ladies fast. I mean, not the fast, mean to say that they, the hayub is also on the ladies. Ishmat Sliyah brings down that the minhag of Jorba. Is also that the ladies are also in the category of tan of tanit bechorot. <clears throat> However, even if a lady is a firstborn, if she's pregnant or she's nursing, just like she's exempt from all the other fasts, she's also exempt here. There's no question about that. The custom that has become today is that even those who are obligated men, and for those who have the custom of ladies to fast, <coughs> even those who are obligated, they exempt themselves by attending an area uh, a, sim- a simha which could exempt them. What is a simha? What are the options? First of all, you should know, this is a fast, it's still a minhag. The reason why we could exempt ourselves with the, f- uh, with, uh, with the following things is only if it's hard for us to fast Eid Pesach. For example, a person is not going to be able to run the seder properly. He's not going to be able to stay up for the seder properly, especially by the time we get to the matzah, it's all the way later. So therefore, if it's hard for a person to fast Eid Pesach, and then he can attend one of these three things. 
for example, either Brit Milah, and you don't have to be one of the ten. If you attend the Brit Milah and you go to the Sauda, already you're exempt from the fast. A Pidyon Haben, if it takes place at the Pesach. And the most famous, which everybody does, is a Siyum Masechet. Siyum Masechet means that a person has completed a book either in Gemara and in Bidi'abad, even Mishnayot. A person has to understand what he's learning. It shouldn't be just reading. It has to be understood. And also the people who are attending the Siyum must hear the conclusion of the Masechet and they must also partake in the Sauda afterwards. What does it mean the Sauda afterwards? It means a Kezait of Mezonot. Mezonot means either egg matzah or, or any, any sort of cake. It could even be hamed because if you're having it in the morning. Or you could have three ounces of wine and that's called that you're with them. The minhag is that in most communities, ladies, even if they're firstborn, they do not fast. However, it's still good to bring them home. If there's a firstborn lady, instead of fasting, it's, good, it's still good to bring her something from the siyum. For the men, it doesn't work. For a man to be exempt from fasting, he has to be in attendance by the siyum. If he's not there, it doesn't work. And by the way, it's only a firstborn. Even if you have a firstborn boy who's obligated to fast, but he's under the age of bar mitzvah, then you, the father, have the obligation of fasting. Like myself, I have a firstborn who's a boy, and he's under the age of bar mitzvah, so that's my, my, I become obligated right now in fasting on his behalf until he becomes bar mitzvah. So therefore, I have to make sure that I attend the siyum on Erev Pesach. So we decided to make a siyum ourselves. That is the first thing that we need to know about Erev Pesach. The second thing, the th- second halakha that we need to know about Erev Pesach is when to stop eating and when to burn our hamids. For this, <clears throat> it's very simple. The bread that you're planning to burn, the one that you sow in Bedikat Hamids or anything that you want to get rid of, by the way, it's a good, good idea that as you're searching for hametz, you look for spiritual hametz as well. Any newspapers or magazines or pictures that don't belong in the Jewish house, it's a mitzvah to burn it together with the hametz to get rid of all types of hametz from our lives, spiritual and physical. In any case, we must refrain, we must stop eating hametz. I'm going with the calendar that I personally use that we over here in the, as far in the Syrian community over here use, 10.04 a.m. It's the last time you eat hametz at a Pesach, 10.04 a.m. You must burn your hametz by 11.20 and Hatzot is at 12.55. Why do we have to know what time Hatzot is? And the answer is as follows. There's a halakha that we may not do any melakha on, on, on Arif Pesach beginning from Hatzot and onwards. That means at 12.55 p.m. on Monday afternoon, a person is not allowed to begin a melakha. What does it mean a melakha? Melakha means like building laundry, sewing, or taking a haircut. Those are melakhot. Buying and selling technically is not a melakha. And it's not in the, in the uh, category of things that are forbidden out of Pesach after Hatzot. What's the reason? How come? Why are we forbidden to do any melakha on Arif Pesach from Hatzot? We don't find this by any other place. We don't find that you're forbidden to do melakha on of Shabbat or of Yom Tov from Hatzot. And the answer is because being that when a person used to bring a korban in the times of Beit HaMikdash, so for him it was the whole day was a Yom Tov. You know, kind of like a hatan. When a person gets married, he has the seven days of Shebrachot, so he's, he doesn't go to work for all these seven days because every single day is considered a Yom Tov for him. It's a holiday for him. Same thing over here. Since a person is bringing a korban to, into the Beit HaMikdash, he has the whole day as a, as a holiday, as a Yom Tov. So therefore, he's not allowed to do any melakha. And since every single Jew is required to bring the Qurban Pesach on Eid of Pesach, which we used to bring in the times of Beit HaMidash, so therefore, the holiday never left. 
the the Hachamim Institute that a person is forbidden to do any melacha that day. And since the Korban Pesach can only be brought after Hatzot, which is really a little bit from Sha'at Min Hakit Gedola, that's why we may not do any melacha from Hatzot, which is 12.55 p.m. We mentioned some examples. The more practical ones are going to be laundry, sewing, or a haircut. Okay? But Halakha brings down that although we are forbidden to do melacha ourselves, we could tell a goy to do melacha on our behalf. For example, I need my laundry to be done because we cannot do laundry during Holomoid. So therefore, if I have a non-Jewish worker by me, a housekeeper or somebody, or if my non-Jewish neighbor wants to listen to me and come do my laundry, that's mutar. He could do melacha for me. Likewise, <clears throat> there's other leniencies in melachot. For example, when we said sewing is asur, that's only like a whole job. You want to make you want to make a whole garment. But to make something, to sew something small that you need for the holiday, to put on a button, maybe even to fix your cufflings, your, to fix your pants, to uh, small things, those are mutar even by Jews at Pesach, but you're not allowed to get paid for it. Also, we said haircutting is asur. Haircutting is asur by a Jew. That means if you, you're supposed to take really your haircut before Monday, 12.55 p.m. If you did not take your haircut, go now. If you still didn't take your haircut till after Hatzot at Pesach, you may not take a haircut by a Jew. Go to go to give you a haircut. Just make sure that you're taking your haircut in front of a mirror because that's a halakhot in your da'a. The other thing that's mutar is shaving. Shaving is not something is significant, it's not considered a significant halakha, uh, melakha, and therefore a person who normally shaves could shave Erev Pesach, even after Hatzot. Cutting nails also. One could cut his nails Erev Pesach after Hatzot as well. And also, if a person is writing Hadushay Torah, if a person is writing, although writing is a melakha, but to write small Hadushim, especially in preparation for the night of Seder or for the holiday of Pesach, that's all mutar, even after Hatzot on Monday afternoon. The other halakha that we need to know about is there are certain things that we're not allowed to eat on Erev Pesach. <clears throat> some of them begin from the morning and some only begin from the later afternoon. Let's begin with the first halakha. In preparation for the Seder, remember, Seder is the most, it's the highlight of the whole holiday of Pesach. That night of Seder, especially the first night, which is Deoraita, the first, the first two nights over here in America, this is the most important part of the whole holiday of Pesach. And therefore, Hakamim instituted a few things in order to make sure <clears throat> that we come to Seder, we're already prepared. Hakamim prepared us even if we're not prepared. First thing is what to eat. It's forbidden, Banan, for a person to eat matzah anytime on Arif Pesach. That's a halakha. The halakha means from the morning of Alot Shahar on Monday morning, a person is not allowed to eat matzah until Lila Seder. Why? Because we want you to eat the matzah on that night with te'avon, with an appetite. If you had it already that day, okay, you already tasted it. The Mishabarab brings that some people even refrain from Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That's not the deen, that's not the halakha. But still, the idea of it, that a person wants to build an appetite for matzah, or, or he should not eat, but according to Halakha, we all have to follow this. Monday, from Alot Shahar, from the morning, we're forbidden to eat matzah. This applies not only to adults, men and women, it also applies to children. 
as long as the children understand the story of Yetziat Mitzrayim, which is about the age of four and five, right? You, you're my four-year-old kids, Baruch Hashem, they already know the story. There's a paro, there's a batia with a long stretched arm and, and Moshe in the basket. And then we come out of Mitzrayim with the ten plagues. Children understand the story. Children who already understand the story cannot be given matzah. Children who don't understand the story of Pesah, you can give them regular matzah, that's fine. Which matzah are we talking about that you're not allowed to eat? <coughs> the matzah that a person is not allowed to eat is matzah that a person is going to use that evening for to be Yotzei de Chobah. What does that mean? Not just the one that you're going to use, but it means any matzah which could technically be used for Leila Seder, which means any regular matzah is forbidden to eat Erev Pesach. This includes even the machine-made matzah that you're not planning to eat. Even if you're not planning to eat it, the whole, it doesn't make a difference. The only matzah that you're allowed to eat is something called matzah ashira, which is what's in the market today only as egg matzah. That's what you'll find. Or if you took matzah and you actually cooked it in the soup, according to all opinions, then also you could eat that type of matzah. Those are the only ones you could eat erev Pesach, the whole day. That's even before, by the way, even before 10 or 4 a.m., even when you could still eat hametz, you're not allowed to eat any matzah that whole day. Good? Some pointers to keep in mind, because a lot of people make this mistake. They sell chocolate-covered matzot. That's kashel Pesach. You should know, those are very tricky. Those you cannot eat out of Pesach. What it is, is it's regular matzah that's covered with chocolate. That's all it is. So it's kind of like, and, and we know that matzah, the regular matzah you can't eat. And just because you covered it with chocolate doesn't mean you took away the time, the flavor of it. It's still matzah in essence. Imagine you take a piece of pita and you covered it with chocolate. You can tell me you're not eating pita now, you're not eating bread. Of course you're eating it. Over here, you're eating a regular matzah that's covered with chocolate. And in fact, the beracha on this matzah on Pesach for this faradim will be hamotzi because it's regular flour and water matzah that's covered with chocolate. Make sure you... Uh, are aware of this. The only matzah that you're allowed to eat at Pesach is matzah ashira, not chocolate-covered matzot. Also, if you take matzah and you uh, regular matzah meal, anything made out of matzah meal is also forbidden on Eid of Pesach. Even though you mixed it with eggs and you fried it, and you, still, that may, that still, although the bracha will change the mezanot, it's still in the category of matzah that's asur to be eaten at Pesach. And also, there's some matzot that are hamets, which cannot use on the seder, and even those, since they taste like regular matzah, you can't eat it at a Pesach. Obviously, we're talking about eating it before 10 or 4 a.m. on Monday. So let's repeat again. You're, we're not allowed to eat any matzah, just flour and water, on Arif Pesach. The only matzah that we could eat is matzah ashira. Why? In order that we should come in Lela Seder to eat our matzah of mitzvah with an appetite. That is the first halakha. There are minhagim where people refrain from eating any lettuce because lettuce is what we can use for, uh, for, for maror on, on the night of Seder. Some people refrain from eating lettuce on the night, on, on night of Pesach as well. However, there's no minhag, it's not, it's not halakha. For sure halakha is not that way. You want to be mahmir, you can be mahmir. Drinking wine, also, maram brings down, you should only drink a lot, but don't drink a little bit. So some say don't drink at all. Okay. You want to be Mahmi Mahmi, but this everybody has to follow. Sha'asirit, which is after the time of Minha in the afternoon. So let's say around 5 o'clock, 5.30. Uh, even Matzah Ashirah you're not allowed to eat. Why? Because at that time, we want you to come in with an appetite to eat Lila Seder. You ever notice on, night, on the night of Seder, all the ladies yell, 
the ones who cooked so hard and especially the ones who don't understand so much and they yell, what are you doing? Stop eating so much matzah. Who's going to eat my food? I cooked so much. Well, the night of say that you're supposed to eat a lot of stuff that are obligated. Some are an obligation with the oraita, like the matzah by Afrikoman as well as motzi matzah. All those are the oraita. And there's some derabanan, obligation with the to eat <coughs> maror. And of course, you want to have a sauda of Yom Tov as well, which you're supposed to have as well. So there's going to be a lot of eating on the night of Satan. Therefore, save your appetite. Do not eat, uh, according to Halakha, you can't. You cannot eat even matzah ashira after Sha'asirit, which is around 5, 5.30 on Monday afternoon. The Rambam brings down, although it's mutar for a person to eat matzah, that is, excuse me, although it's, per, uh, although it's permitted for a person to eat whatever he wants besides matzah after Shah Asirit, Ram brings down that it's better not to eat anything. You're allowed to eat rice, you're allowed to eat, if you spell it, you're allowed to eat um, fruits and, and vegetables and whatever, but still, it's a good idea not to fill, your, fill up on it. Eat just what you need for the night in order to give you the energy so when it comes to the night of Seder, you're able to run the Seder. But more than that, Try to save your appetite so this way you can eat very well on the night of Seder. And with that, we'll move on now to the second category of halachot that we will discuss today. And that is preparations for the Seder. So here, if anybody has a question regarding the Seder, text it in right now, 347-927-8398. I see some questions already on the, <coughs> on the text line. We'll an- answer it hopefully throughout as we go through the some the halachot of hachana for Lil Hasidir. Let's begin. Uh, now, the halachot that we're mentioning, we usually say halachot in order to prepare ourselves for Pesach. So I'm, I'm going to deviate a little bit from just not just the halachot, but we'll give you a lot of tips and a lot of good advice or some pointers that some people may not have realized in order that we should prepare ourselves for the night of Seder. Number one is, Make sure you get a good nap out of Pesach. Is that brought down halakha? No, it's not brought down halakha. But Lil Pesach, the Seder night, after a few cups of wine, can be very, very tiring. Especially, you know, most of us are last minute, and therefore we're probably running and doing all sorts of things out of Pesach. And probably for sure on Sunday we're working very hard. So therefore, we might be very tired. And when it comes to Lil Seder, we showered, we went to the mik, and now we're sitting down to relax by the night of Seder, and boom, we take the first cup of wine and we're knocked out. So therefore, make sure you sleep well out of Pesach on, on, on Monday afternoon to prepare yourself for the Seder. Next, know your role and know your audience. What does that mean, know your role, know your audience? means... We're all excited for Pesach. And a lot of people come in, especially they come back from Yeshiva and Ben Azmanim, and they're prepared so much to say on the Haggadah. Think for a second. Could your audience handle all your Dedvei Torah? Are your Dedvei Torah meant only for Bahurei Yeshiva? Or are they meant for whoever is there by your audience? Do you have people there that can understand your Pilpul? Do you have people there that can understand your Gemmatiyot? Or do you have to sit there and explain? Also, keep in mind... People are very hungry and people get very, very moody. And especially if there's a lot of children, don't expect that all the children, especially the ones under six, are all of a sudden going to be silent when you start to talk. And therefore, expect that, understand where you're going to, who you're going to be staying by, what's going to be there, 
Know your audience. Know who's going to be there. Who's going to understand. I find stories are the best. Stories have to do with Pesach. Stories have to do the Midrashim of Pesach. You can't go wrong with that. They're Moshech. They're very attractive. They're the Mitzvah, the Akar Mitzvah of the Pesach. You're on the subject. And it's applicable to all people. Oh, we heard it last year. Well, guess what? We all know the story of Yetzirah Messiah. We all know that the Jews went to Egypt and they came out of Egypt. We all know that. Hazag Baruch. We're not learning anything new. We all know that. But still, the even for all the Hachamim, we're the wisest of people. We know the whole Torah. But that's our obligation to repeat the story on Lil Pesah. So therefore, Understand your audience. And also, besides understanding your audience, know your role. Know where you fit into the family, wherever you're eating by. If maybe you're out of place, you're not out of place. And sometimes you have to know. You may have a bigger responsibility than what you think. You might be the Bahori Israel that just came back from Israel and every, all eyes are on you, expecting you to lead the Seder or at least to put on the show. Lel Seder is a time that you have to put on the show for the whole... If you never spoke in public, this is your night. And this is the time. You don't have to get on the radio and you have to make CDs. You, but this is your night. The night of Seder, you, you, might, you may be the one who is responsible to run the Seder and the whole show. Another halakha. Pasuk says, There's a mitzvah min torah There's a Torah obligation that every single person to teach his children the Haggadah. Why do I say this? Because what I've heard and I, sometimes I've seen is that the adults all together, we all, all the people get together, every family gets together and the family gets bigger and bigger so the children come. But we're still used to the way we used to be when we were younger with all our our, our uh, when we were younger and we were teenagers and we grew up with our siblings and now we got older and we have our own children but we're still hanging out with our brothers and brother-in-laws and the ladies are sitting with together the ladies and the little children okay go run around like we do every time we get to grandma's house or get to Bubby's house so therefore you, I'm pointing this out children must be participating they have to pay in the Haggadah you as a parent have an obligation to teach your children the story of Pesach but they know it already. They might know even better than you. It doesn't make a difference. You know They might know more than you. Let them teach it to you. Let them say it to you. So therefore, get your children involved. How do you get your children involved? I wrote down over here a few ideas. You could use some, all, or none. Come up with your ideas. It doesn't make a difference. Why not? If it's a good idea, try to use it. Number one is what the Shohan Aruch says. The Maran says that and it's not only Maran, Ramam brings it, the Gemara, it's a Gemara Mefureshit, to distribute, to give out sweets, candy, and all for the kids. Why? To keep them up, to keep them involved. Now, how do you, why, do you, why should you give them out candy? Why, why should they just get involved with just candy? Whatever they like, whatever they, the, you, your, uh, you know, I don't know, your Pesach diet, whatever it is, you could give it out for, I find this uh, a good idea, for reading, which means you could tell the kids, we're going to call on somebody's name randomly and we see that you're following with us in the reading, you get a candy. That's why everybody's re- following. And every once in a while, you'll check on some of the kids and you'll see that they're all following in the reading. Or you give an extra candy for explaining. If you give us a hidush, uh, if you give us an idea, an explanation, even a translation, then also you get a candy. That's number one. Also, important thing to keep in mind, make sure you give all of your children an opportunity to be involved. Every kid looks so forward for this little seder. And there's always some ch- children that are, you know, the hacham. They know so much and they know so well. But still, he shouldn't take over the whole show. 
you have other children who are more reserved and more quiet, try to get them involved as well. Don't let one child take over the whole seder. Okay, Baruch Hashem, you get your children involved, but it shouldn't be only one child. The, 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 we say Nagadah right in the beginning. Why? Why do we say there's all different types of children? People who don't get involved. There's a tam, there's a simple person. There's a hakam. Each one you have to talk to him on his own level, but you have to get everybody involved. Also, if you want to get children involved, I found an, an idea that worked that works very well. Get a very interesting children's Haggadah, one that's full of plenty of pictures. Those will be very interesting. Kids love pictures. Also, an idea that we're doing this year, in my own family, is we made our own family Haggadah. What is that? Well, we all have smartphones or iPads or things. So we figured let's put on our technology, let's put it, let's use it, let's put it to good use. And therefore, we made like a pamphlet of... (coughs) A guide to the Seder. We go through the simani of the Seder, Kadesh or Haas, and for each siman, we have a picture, a page with pictures of all the different kids doing the halachot that they need to do for that siman. For Kadesh, we have a picture of each child, one person pouring the cup of wine, one person leaning when they're drinking the cup of wine, one person saying the size of the, of the, of the cup of wine that you need to drink. All the different halachot, we just put them in pictures. This way the kids come to the Seder. They have their Haggadah where they're the highlight. They're in the spotlight of the Haggadah Shal Pesan. They have it in front of them. Guaranteed that's going to get the children involved, at least for that year. So well, next year you have to get new pictures. But still you make it together with the children. It becomes a family activity now to keep them out of your way or to calm them down a little bit. And also on Leila Seder, you'll, they'll be using it and they'll be involved from beginning to end. They won't run around. You should know, whatever we just mentioned doesn't just apply to the children. It may apply also to certain adults as well, or guests. Maybe they're not learned. You have to know who's coming to your house, who's, uh, who's going to be there, and how to get them involved in every possible way. Next <coughs> subject in preparation for Lila Seder. The, the Seder, the concept of Seder, if you look in the Rambam, you won't find this concept of Seder of Kadesh, Warhats. You look in the Gemara, for sure you won't find it. This whole idea of Seder, of things organized, is, was made, I believe, in the 1200s. I forgot which one of the Rishonim. He came up with the Simanim, Kadesh, Warhats, Karpatsi, Ahats. He's the one who came up with all these Simanim. Why? <clears throat> because we have a lot of Mizvot for that night. Like we said, some deoraita, some de banan, and therefore it has to, it should be organized. And therefore, he made us a seder, an organized system. Seder means organization. Anything that's organized, anything that's in order, has to be done with preparation. And therefore, we need to do our own preparation for the seder. Everybody has to be prepared. The more you prepare for the night of the seder, the more the easier, the more organized will be, the the smoother will be. And therefore, before we get to exactly how to prepare, one of the preparations that you have to do for the Lil Seder is to anticipate any issues or problems that come up in the night of Seder. For example, I'll give you certain things. That means if I know that these problems will come up, either I can try to take care of it from before Pesach to make sure that nothing, uh, that, you know, the problems shouldn't come up. Or at least if I'm expecting it, then I won't get so frustrated on the night of Seder. Number one is, if you have a lot of guests that are coming over, or if you're going to a house where there's going to be a lot of guests, you should know there will always be those guests that will always come late. Especially the ones that are with bigger families and little children. Don't get upset. 
try to understand them. Maybe you could help them out. If you know a certain relative, oh, this one, you know, Sarah always comes late. Sarah is always late. Her and her husband, Yankala, always will come late. Sarah and Yankala always come late. So therefore, maybe give them a hand from before and ask them, maybe I can help you. Erev Pesach, maybe help you come to the house. Whatever it may be. Okay. Um, other things, okay. We're going to have to take a break right now. We're going to have to take a break. Something just came up here in the station. So, so another 10 minutes? Okay, no. Okay, we have another 10 minutes. We're going to have to sum it up very quickly. And we'll do so regularly. Okay, that's number one. Number two is, you have to make sure, I mean, in, in anticipation of issues that come up, is you should know that the cups of wine will always spill many times. So don't get upset. Don't yell at the children. Even adults spill cups of wine. When you prepare that many cups of wine and you're filling it up to the top, they're going to spill. Therefore, prepare yourself some beforehand. Maybe wear a smock, an adult smock or whatever. But you know that the cups of wine will spill. And if you know that, don't wear your most expensive thing that you're going to be upset when wine spills over it. Another thing is that you have to make sure you leave yourself enough time for to eat the afikoman before Hatzot. And afikoman has to be eaten before 12.55 a.m. And also, if you have glass cups, you should also understand that probably kids will break it. So therefore, if, you, if it bothers you if they're going to break or they might break, don't put your most expensive cups. Okay? With that, we'll move on now. Let me just answer a few questions over here in the text. And then, let me just go back, to, and then we'll conclude with last thing, because we have to stop the class over here in eight minutes. Something just came up. Number one is, question over here. Does everybody at Seder make both Berachot HaMotzi and Al Achilat Matzah? And the answer to that is no. Only the person who has in front of him the Matzot should make the Berachah, and he should have everybody in mind. Why is that? Because... I'll tell you like, okay, so this is what happens. When we come to Motsi Matzah, what we do is as follows. We pick up three Matzot. The three Matzot are one whole one on top, in the middle of the broken Matzah, which we broke by Yahatz, and the bottom Matzah, which we're going to use for Afikoman. We pick up all three Matzot and we say, Baruch Hashem, Why? Because we make a Motsi and all the Matzah that we're going to use. And then we let go of the bottom Matzah, the third Matzah, and then while still holding to the top matzah and the middle matzah, we make the bracha of al-akhilat matzah. And the one who's eating should break a kezayit from, I'm excuse me, the one who's making the bracha has everybody in mind. And he's going to break from the pieces of, 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 of matzah from the top and the bottom and make the birach and, and eat from it. Why is it now that only he should make the bracha? Well, number one is, like we always said, that one person to make the bracha for everybody is always preferable. That's number one. Number two is the Mahloket Rishonim of the Bracha of Hamotzi. Is it going on the top matzah, the whole one, or is it going on the broken piece of matzah? And some say that the Achilat matzah is going on the broken piece and the Hamotzi is going on the top piece. And some say the opposite. So therefore, the one who is saying it should make a, take a Kizayit from both of them. But if a person doesn't have it in front of him, so Lechatilah should be Yotze with that Bracha on the person who has it in front of him. But let's say he doesn't have it in front of him. Let's say the, uh, he didn't hear the birachot, excuse me. And he still doesn't have the matzot in front of him. Then yes, he would have to make the biracha of achilat matzah as well as hamotzi. Because the achilat matzah at the end of the day is going on the fact that we're eating um, matzah on Lila Seder, which is an, uh, the only matzah midoraita to eat any food. 
Okay, next. What about the Bracha of Ga'al Yisrael and other blessings? Does a person have to say the Bracha of Ga'al Yisrael and other blessings? In general, it all depends on the Minhag. Some have a Minhag that one person will say the Bracha of Ga'al Yisrael for everybody. Some have a Minhag that since we all read the Haggadah, so they'll also say the Bracha of Ga'al Yisrael. There's either way it could go, depends on your custom, the family custom. Either way, it's fine. It could be your Tzayyid Hababa with one, one person making the Bracha, or by yourself. The same will apply also to the bracha of Adama on Maror or Al-Akhilat Maror. It all depends. It's preferable always that one person should make a bracha for everybody who doing what if they're eating. For two reasons. And Ahmadat Melech and other things like Manam brings down in Chod Berachot. But you can do either one. All depends also sometimes the person who's making the Berachot may not be so clear or maybe you have better Kavanot than the person. So maybe it'll be better for you to make your own bracha. You'll decide for that yourself. Okay, next question. Regarding Karpas, oh boy, text is, uh, something happened. Okay, okay. The question is as follows. Regarding Karpas, can a person use potatoes for Karpas? So, the poskim bring down that Karpas, the Khatila, should be what we call an Arabic crevice, which is celery. That's the Khatila. But really, the Halakha says that any vegetable a person could use for the sake of Karpas. And potato, potato could also work for any vegetable for karpas. And you could use it. Now, it shouldn't be cooked. It should be raw. Uh, excuse me. It shouldn't be raw. It should be cooked um, and, and not regular. But lechatila, preferable, a person should take karpas. And by the way, now we're talking about karpas. should make sure not to eat more than about nine grams of karpas. Whatever you want to use for karpas, either potato or, 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 or karpas or any other vegetable that you want to use. Don't eat more than that because otherwise you're putting yourself in a mahlokit if you make a bracha or fashot or not. So therefore, better not to eat it. Before we leave, we have a few minutes. I just want to mention something very important. I found this very, very helpful. You know, we know that um, <clears throat> a lot of people have a custom, different communities that when it comes to Simchas Torah, when it comes to Simchat Torah, we give our candy bags. And the candy bags are given at the city to children and they have inside of all different types of candies. We started something in our family a few years ago called the seder bag. What's a seder bag? Well, like we said, if you want your seder to run smooth, then you have to prepare for it. And what does it mean prepare for it? You know that everybody has to eat matzah and they have to eat a few matzot and everybody has to drink wine and everybody has to eat celery and everybody has to eat romaine lettuce for maror. So therefore, what we did is we made a bag with the, your basic necessities for the Leil HaSeder. And we have seven items in this bag, according to our custom, and you could customize it as you like. And we know how many people are coming to our house, and depending on the people that are coming to our house, that's, we will multiply it by the amount of the people, we'll multiply the bags by the amount of people. That means, if I know I have 10 people are eating by my house, so I'm going to make from 10 bags. What are these bags? What do they have in these bags? Seven ingredients. The measurements for these ingredients... We'll tell you afterwards. But first, let me tell you what these seven ingredients are. Number one is wine or grape juice. Number two is matzah. Number three, for maror, if your custom is romaine lettuce, you should keep romaine lettuce, and that's really khathila. Or some people have horseradish, whatever it is. But for maror, we have romaine lettuce. Number four is celery for kapas. Number five is a cup. Number six is a haggadash al pesah. And finally, the last one is a boiled egg, because our custom is also to eat a boiled egg. Now, what are the measurements? The measurements might be very confusing. Over here, three different types of measurements, according to the opinions of Hakam Ramadia, Hakam Ben Sion, and the Hazonish. If you text me 
your email will email you the list exactly with the measurements that you need to prepare. But once you have the list already that we mentioned, which is wine, matzah, maror, celery, cup, hagadam, boy, you already should know how many you need basically for each one. This list is very precise, how many exactly that you need to prepare for each person in your place. And this way, you're prepared for them and they'll be given the seder bag on Lil HaSeder. And looks like we're going to have to stop over here. We'll just end off with a thank you again to the sponsor, especially Joyce Bat Sabah. And Eliyahu Haimit Shafiq Sophia, and that's the half of the sponsor. And we want to wish all our listeners the J Root Radio Station, we want to wish them a Hakka Shev Sameyah. And Bazat Hashem, just like Hazal told us, Benisan Negalu, Nisan Titin Gael, which be Zochet to the Geulash Lema Bin Rabbi Amenu, Amen Kenya Hi Ratson.